Welcome to European Talks, a podcast by the European Policy Center, a Belgrade-based independent think tank. My name is Sena Maric and I will be your host today. In today's episode, we will speak about the think tanks and their potential to counter the decline of democracy worldwide and nurture inclusive and evidence-based policymaking. Our guest today is Sonja stojanovic Gajic, great connoisseur of the topic, a member of executive board of Belgrade Center for Security Policy, uh, one of the best think tanks in this part of Europe. And by the way, today's episode coincides with the publishing of the uh, annual uh, ranking of top think tanks worldwide by the Think Tanks and Civil Societies program by University of Pennsylvania, where uh, both European Policy Center CEP and uh, Belgrade Center for Security Policy uh, regularly find their place. Uh, CEP is ranked as the best think tank in the Western Balkans, while BCBP is regularly the best think tank on security and defense issues in the region and beyond. Uh, Sonia, let's start. Uh, first of all, welcome to our <laughs> podcast and thank you for being here. Um, uh, let's start with uh, the added value think tanks have uh, compared to other um, uh, actors which uh, contribute to one way or another to spreading or preserving uh, democracy and evidence-based policymaking like influencers, like social movements, like investigative journalists. Uh, what is, in your view, the added value of think tanks in this respect? Um, I think think tanks have uh, potential and limitations, but the key added value of think tanks in comparison to other actors and its key strength is research, and it's, it should be the core business of all think tanks. Uh, think tanks in our part of the world are more grounded in civil society because we came from civil society. In other parts of the world, they might have been established by rich founders or so on. So I think they are closer to what's going on in society. Uh, but with today's issues of um, distrust of citizens in institutions and perception of institutions not delivering representation and voice, uh, I think think tanks are perceived as a part of the problem, part of the elites that are to blame for inequalities and um, this lack of voice in political processes. So my uh, conclusion would be that think tanks added value is to do research, but with a different angle, if they want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And um, I, there are two things I, uh, I think they should focus on. First is uh, they could provide the context, the bigger picture, or connect the dots. Mm -hmm. An example I want to highlight as especially powerful is the one from South Africa, mm -hmm. uh, which is the only country which has officially been recognized as a country that experienced state capture, although this process is way more widespread and very present in our region. And this process didn't happen overnight, and there were a number of investigative journalists, um, individuals, whistleblowers, highlighting cases uh, of serious corruption, undermining and changing rules of the game for the benefits of the few in the political party and Gupta family. But it is only when the think tankers and academics came together and put pieces of this puzzle together and explained how this process was intentional and not the issue of lack of capacity, but happened by design, and that it was a political project uh, justified with ideology of actually bringing more power to the black people after apartheid, but misused for the interest of the few close to the ruling party, 
that the society woken up after the publication of the report uh, called Breaking the Promise, which explained how state capture happened and gave the concepts, uh, conceptual tools to other actors, to civil society, to the journalists, to citizens, the change start happening more quickly. So I think this is the role for think tanks to put the pieces of puzzle together and to help other actors uh, get the voice. Mm -hmm. The other uh, role is to bridge between the politics and uh, citizens, as we've discussed this morning, uh, or the public. So it's less just to do technical things and we, as we were used to in the past, and more to help translate the grievances of citizens and causes of their grievances to the politicians and link it to these technical issues and vice versa. And in this regards, I think think tanks have to expand the portfolio of evidence that they take into account besides statistics, uh, uh, specific cases, I think uh, emotions, mm -hmm. uh, behaviors, culture, narratives are important things to take into consideration. And I'll just give one practical example. Uh, um, narratives and self-understanding of nations. I think international mm -hmm. relations as a specific policy area is one where this kind of evidence plays even more important role. Mm -hmm. I've been sitting in a number of meetings among the representatives of the West and East, diplomats, think tankers, where you uh, hear people literally speaking in English but speaking different languages mm -hmm. because they don't hear the emotion of the mm -hmm. other. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the points made well by one of the Western experts on Russia is that it is important to understand their narrative of a leader, so the status they want to be perceived in, mm -hmm. um, and how they have been a victim of the liberal Western system. Um, not to give them excuse to do bad things, but to recognize what's their emotional need and then engage on concrete things. So mm -hmm. these would be the two examples of what I was talking about, giving a bigger picture and mediating between politics and citizens, including uh, talking about emotions. Yeah, that's what you exactly mentioned this morning, that emotions should be taken as evidence when producing our research products. Uh, uh, does this mean they did maybe that uh, we in the think tank community lack of uh, psychologists, of ethnographers? That's what you also mentioned. How then to, to grasp this part which might be missing from our usual suspect think tank community when... Uh, I think it would be great emotions. to develop this kind of um, way of knowing ethnographic mm -hmm. view um, and hire ethnographers, but uh, if that's not possible, I think the big change that should mm -hmm. uh, happen is for us to listen more before giving advice. Mm -hmm. So more of engagement mm -hmm. in listening what are the things that concern people, what are the stories, metaphors they use, mm -hmm. um, what are the missing pieces of information that they were not given or not uh, being explained to? Mm -hmm. um, connect the people that do not talk to each other. I think this is more and more role of uh, think tankers. So more listening and mm -hmm. uh, before advising. Mm -hmm. That's what, what you mentioned together with the example from South Africa. Um, uh, I guess uh, feeds into the answer to the question how to rebuild or to uh, establish trust uh, uh, that think tanks lack uh, uh, in the eyes of the citizens and of um, the, the constituencies. Mm. Um, 
can you add maybe something more on this specific limitation that you have noticed on think tanks worldwide that there's this uh, that they're perceived as part of the elite and then there's a uh, huge mistrust uh, I think uh, transparency is important that organizations mm -hmm. are transparent about who they are where they mm -hmm. come from why they do what they do mm -hmm. on whose behalf uh, and uh, but also this engagement with people who they want to serve but mm -hmm. we should not aim to pretend to be other type of organizations. Mm -hmm. We are not grassroots mm -hmm. activists. Mm -hmm. We are not investigative journalists, uh, but we could help them. Uh, so we should also ac acknowledge our limits and mm -hmm. uh, do more partnerships uh, with other groups. Uh, mm -hmm. And as I said, be more humble and listen and engage uh, in discussions. Uh, I think important point from this morning's discussion mm -hmm. is that no issue should be taken as sacred mm -hmm. cow or something that should not be open, even the issues like democracy or joining yes. the EU that many of us advocate for should be critically examined because mm -hmm. no issue is just white or just black. Uh, and by recognizing that there are limitations to our proposals and that we can understand uh, people who have different arguments and emotions or other reasons why they have these arguments, we open a space for discussion. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I would give another example from Latin America, uh, which is also a polarized region as ours, where think tankers, for example, helped before the elections by engaging first separately with different political parties and then bringing them together again behind the closed doors, so not as a PR opportunity, but actually creating a safe space for discussions. So this is not direct engagement with citizens, but it is engagement with political actors mm -hmm. and helping a space where those that have a very different conflictual views can actually agree on things um, not on everything, but what are, for example, scenarios that nobody wants to see? Mm -hmm. Then you take that uh, off the agenda. And then you may create an options and uh, put that uh, to also contribute to the electoral uh, process. Mm -hmm. I found an interesting quote which says that the real agents of change appear to be the doers, not the thinkers. And from the example you gave, it seems that this uh, Latin American think tank was both the doer and the thinker. Um, uh, to what extent do you agree with this, uh, uh, with this claim? Uh, what approaches then should the think tanks use mm -hmm. to increase their relevance? Uh, it's from our friends Enrique Mendizabal, mm. uh, a guru of uh, on think tanks uh, blog um, article, which I highly recommend to everyone to read. Mm -hmm. um, I would uh, greatly agree with this statement. I think uh, today in Serbian society, change makers are people defending the water in uh, Stara Planina, mm. or people who are using their bodies to protect. Uh, people who are going to be uh, evicted from their homes, from the groups like uh, Krov nad Glavom, or whistleblowers like Aleksandr Bradovic. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there is no role for uh, think tanks. Um, again, it depends on what is the uh, theory of change of a think tank organization. I don't think everybody should do everything, but those that care about democratic processes should land and uh, contribute with the research and skills that think tankers have to the activists and doers. Mm -hmm. And I'll give examples from Belgrade Center for Security Policy. Mm -hmm. um, we were approached by 
um, activists by journalists that were under attack with questions what what is what they could expect or what could they demand from police or what to do when uh, somebody's trying to kidnap you, like the c- case of Ksenia from Nedaimo Belgrad, who uh, a group of people tried to uh, put in a car. And these were the questions that we as a think tank dealing with the uh, uh, accountability of security institutions didn't have ready-made answers. So we, then we decided instead of being reactive in trying to find solutions for particular cases, let's try proactively uh, to provide support to activists. And mm-hmm. then we realized our added value is in creating a credible evidence. So we mm-hmm. documented and did the typology of threats that the activists were exposed to. Uh, and my colleague Isidora uh, Stakic has published two excellent reports, mm-hmm. uh, one on general threats to different kinds of activists and one case study exactly of this group, uh, Krov Natlavom, that protects people from evictions. Again, linked to our topic, and this is what are private security companies doing in endangering uh, people and activists? What is police doing or not doing, which seems to be more of a problem these days? Mm-hmm. And how the uh, changes of legislation, which were designed with the purpose to privilege certain groups and disprivilege ordinary people that are being evicted, are now misused mm-hmm. for security governance in these particular cases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sonia, as someone, as a Dwayne in uh, Serbian civil society, uh, you recently left the post of executive director of, uh, uh, of Belgrade Center for Security Policy, and now it seems you're engaged in many different uh, uh, spheres. Uh, could you tell us a bit more what you've been doing these days and what are your plans? My major plan was to slow down, mm-hmm. and uh, I really enjoy in... Um, having less responsibility than my successor, Igor Bandovic, who took over a very challenging job mm-hmm. at this particular mm-hmm. moment, um, so which gives me more time to think and research and reflect. But I've been engaged uh, more or less with three teams, both in the region and abroad. Mm-hmm. And these, as you could guess from my um, speech so far, are mm-hmm. state capture, public engagement on uh, security oversight, and then a dialogue uh, between different groups. So in next year or so, on state capture, uh, together with the colleague uh, Professor Dusan Pavlovich, uh, we'll be um, designing an academic event of the 10th uh, Belgrade Security Forum, uh, which is going to be on a topic of security and state capture. And we want to see how uh, researchers in different parts of the world have analyzed these processes, what have been solutions, so also to help uh, and engage academics with policymakers in this region. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing related to state capture that I'm engaged with is in partnership with on think tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, in Berlin conference in April, we will launch a global community of practice um, on a topic of think tanks and state capture because mm-hmm. what we realized is that it's unique context that is rarely discussed. Mm-hmm. Usually um, when uh, NGOs or donors were discussing different contexts, they talked about authoritarian, post-conflict, developmental, but state capture as a context which officially is democracy, but this democratic legal processes are misused is difficult to comprehend and difficult to operate in. Mm -hmm. So we want to have a discussions once a month over a period of a few months among think tankers from different continents to see what have been the patterns. Can we Mm -hmm. identify some 
early warning signals of state capture? And what have been the strategies of think tankers to um, engage both research-wise, advocacy-wise, but also survival or uh, Mm -hmm. resilience-wise in this difficult context of state capture. So this is one theme. The other theme, as I've mentioned, is public engagement Mm -hmm. in uh, security oversight. Mm -hmm. I'm um, engaged as a consultant advising uh, mostly abroad um, in countries which are already uh, only developing this capacity, Mm -hmm. uh, but also researching how civil society organizations have done it in other continents, so not just the Balkan region that mm-hmm, I know mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. And last but not the least, as I mentioned, the dialogues I might think. So I kept the role of coordinator mm-hmm. of the Working Group for Chapter 24 on Freedom, Security and Justice which uh, within the National Convention on EU mm-hmm. in Serbia, where in this year we will discuss the revision of action plan mm-hmm. for this chapter, which sounds very technical, but the purpose is to see whether this public administration will be ready to fulfill obligations um, for membership mm-hmm. until 2021. And I believe civil society has a number of concerns whether that's um, that's that, that that we are ready that far, but we are mm-hmm. there to mediate. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I'm engaged also in a dialogue uh, in, uh, called Co- Cooperative Security Initiative, which is an international track to initiative. Uh, gathering um, think tankers, opinion makers from OSCE area, from Vancouver to Vladivostok, Mm -hmm. thinking of how to avoid wars Mm -hmm. (laughs) and come to cooperative security solutions. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned this morning, uh, as a group of think tankers, we've decided not to produce another study, Mm -hmm. but to initiate debates in our uh, countries and throughout the Euro um, Asian space mm-hmm. uh, by posing questions, uh, mm-hmm. which I think are very relevant, like the questions, uh, what could trigger another conflict or war in Europe? And also, could we find the cooperative security arrangements if we don't share the same values? So You're addressing we... it to whom? To particular stakeholders, the public in large? Uh, how will you address them? We will try to engage different audiences, uh, both the expert uh, community, but the idea is to try to stir the debate, mm-hmm. so also to engage the public. So uh, mm-hmm. we will see how successful we are going to be as its multilateral group, trying to do it in different languages in different mm-hmm. countries simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But I, I find it an, yeah, uh, an exciting endeavor and mm-hmm. timely endeavor. Mm-hmm. And I'm very much looking forward to this uh, comparative analysis of state capture, which will gather, as far as I understood, all world continents. Uh, uh, yes, on really... Think Tanks uh, mm-hmm. is a great platform that gathers mm-hmm. Think Tanks really from Latin America, mm-hmm. um, Africa, Asia, Europe. And I think there are more and more spaces for this kind of discussions, mm-hmm. um, especially because in the past we were mostly all of us exposed to West giving mm-hmm. or Global North giving us advice. And I think although we are not uh, in developed in uh, um, underdeveloped world, but mm-hmm. middle income country, there are many things we can share and learn from each other. For example, from exchange with Latin American think tanks or mm-hmm. African mm-hmm. and Asian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as coordinator of the working group for Chapter Twenty Three Four, sorry, within the National Convention. Uh, which uh, it's been six years now since it's been uh, functional and since 
the civil society has been providing quite substantive input. Um, what do you see as the main um, uh, takeouts uh, of the, the entire process? First, with regards to the institutional capacity of Ministry of Interior, which has always been seen as a bit of different ministry compared to the others, and mm -hmm. always as someone, the ministry which is the best prepared and where the institutional mm -hmm. memory is, let's say, the strongest. Uh, from that side, what would you do? You have any comment? And uh, with regards to uh, inputs from us, from the working group, uh, what are your main, let's say, uh, takeouts? Yeah, like the main conclusions or yes. lessons learned. Mm -hmm. um, I think the working group of Chapter Twenty Four has been successful in increasing transparency mm -hmm. of the process. You remember we started with this. Um, fight for publishing the draft mm -hmm. action plan and 50-something organizations signed the petition. So from conflictual um, starting point, which we didn't ask for, we asked kindly for them to publish it, but they refused. Uh, we moved to creating a constructive space for engagement. Uh, but this constructive space for engagement has not been always there. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I wouldn't say that it has become a predictable thing taken for granted. We had ups and downs, and uh, I can't guarantee that it will be smooth uh, mm -hmm. uh, in the future. But I think it has been one of the rare spaces where the dialogue has happened. And we're actually... Um, part of this dialogue were shared with the general public. Mm -hmm. So in contrast to um, some other groups, we actually made, help government promote what they did uh, through this uh, work and got a chance to ask questions to the professionals, which I think it's very important mm -hmm. uh, to highlight the role of professional police officers, customs, uh, prosecutors that are actually doing the real work. And I think this group has been good because from the start we initiated to have a dialogue with professionals and politicians just um, to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. uh, where I see the biggest challenge is mm -hmm. that uh, we keep discussing technical issues while the basic things are still not functioning mm -hmm. and we we try to contribute to it through Chapter 24 mm -hmm. discussions and this is the uh, police reform or the health and independence of police organizations from political influence, the issue of politicization of human resources, material resources, uh, that reform, uh, government says it's done, and we think it's not done, but it's even going worse, mm -hmm. and it undermines, actually, the technical processes like mm -hmm. uh, fight against terrorism, fight against human trafficking. So mm -hmm. I think in future, the, the two main issues that remain are uh, how to make... Uh, create space for police officers to do investigation mm -hmm. um, without, as EU has said, politically influence and infiltration of crime. Um, and the other thing is um, to not let government simulate fight against organized crime, but deliver results by tackling the big fish. Um, and the big fish is not just the big criminals, but the criminals that have links to politicians. Mm -hmm. Sonia, thank you very much for this conversation. Thank you for your invitation. <laughs>